Welcome to SDG, a podcast about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. 17 goals adopted by the United Nations on 25 September 2015. The 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development is a plan of action to transform our world for people, planet and prosperity. All 193 UN member states committed to implement the plan to achieve the goals over the next 15 years. I'm your host, Dominic Billings, and in this episode, we're joined by Guillaume Lafortune, Vice President and Director of the Paris Office of the SDSN, the Sustainable Development Solutions Network, under the auspices of the UN. Guillaume also coordinates and is a co-author of the SDSN's Sustainable Development Report, published each year since 2016. In my opinion, Guillaume's work within the SDSN and on the Sustainable Development Report in particular places him among the most important individuals leading the world to move closer toward the Sustainable Development Goals. Let's hear from him now. Um, I'll start, Guillaume, by asking... What was your path to your your current career? I know that you studied economics and public administration in in Quebec. What was your path to where you are now? Yeah, well, as you said, Dominic, I uh, I'm a, a economist by let's say uh, training. I've always been also interested in the you know in, in public policies. I would say uh, at large, did a very classic path from a school of public administration to entering government, the Ministry of Economic Development in, in Quebec, Canada, working with small and medium enterprises and, and trying to see how we can support them in. Um, scaling up and including looking at international opportunities also abroad, Quebec being a small market, there's always this this idea that, you know, it's important also for Quebec companies to be in touch with what's going on uh, elsewhere in the world. So both this sort of focus on economics, but also the international dimension has already always been sort of part of my, my background and, and a broad interest in public policies. And then I think the other thread would be I've always been interested in, in doing research, but doing research that you can actually present to those that are eventually taking the decisions. So that's why mm-hmm. for me, it was very good to to enter after my, my experience in, in, in government to, to join the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD in, in Paris, where, where you know you do a lot of statistical um, work, analysis, studies, but then you do present to the people in their governments who are in charge of the respective portfolio, right? Whether it is about governance reform, I've worked quite a bit in the public governance uh, department, but also people in charge of the environmental portfolio in their country, education, health, and so on. You do present your studies to those that take decision, and finally, that's also the the link with my current work at the Sustainable Development Solutions Network since we are a network of scientists that try to establish this sort of link with policymakers, with the, with the UN system. If you wish, we're a bit the knowledge brokers between what science is saying we should do, some of the solutions that science can bring, and also what the UN system and national governments can do. So this focus on science on, on one side, but also the, the, the link, the direct connection with, uh, with, with decision-making has always been a, an important part, I would say, in, in my career. You're obviously one of the co-authors of the SDG Index, now the Sustainable Development Report. What was the story behind like the formative stages of that? I know, I know that you collaborated with um, Guido Schmidt-Traub um, in particular on that, and obviously um, Christian Kroll. What was that process like in, in the very beginning for you? Yeah, well, so 
Um, in a nutshell, what the what the SDG index does is that every year we track what the performance of all the UN member states on the 17 sustainable development goals, right? These are the sets of goals that have been adopted by the international community, actually by all UN member states back in 2015. And we have to, to remember that this is the only, let's say, comprehensive vision adopted internationally that looks at both, you know, social, economic progress, but also environment, climate, biodiversity, and, and governance issues, right? So it's a very comprehensive framework. There's 17 goals, there's 169 targets. And what we do at the SDSN, working, of course, with many partners, is to look every year at how countries are performing on those 17 SDGs. So in terms of major stages, at the very beginning, when we started doing this, there were really a lot of methodological questions, right? Technical questions that needed to be resolved. How do you, which indicators do you select how do you aggregate across goals how do you create an overall ranking scoring and so on so we did quite a bit of work i would say both internally but also in in making sure that we were getting the the necessary checks external checks sure that 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 was scientifically robust so we did you know we were peer reviewed by nature geoscience cambridge university press but also we got in touch with the european commission and said could you do a statistical audit of that report? Because we really want to make sure that we're doing this right. Mm. And we've also compared that that effort of comparing our results vis-a-vis other assessments that are being done by other organizations to really understand why for certain goals, our, our estimates, our assessment was slightly different than say what the OECD is presenting or what Eurostat is presenting, for instance. So I would say that was really the first step was really to make sure we were doing it right. And now increasingly we're moving towards what are sort of the, you know, now that the methodology is stable, we've been doing this since basically 2016, 2017. So it's, it's, you know, it's been, it's been a couple of editions. Now it's really about how do we connect the results, the findings with sort of policy message messages and the broader discussions around how do we finance this agenda, uh, notably. Basically one illustration of that sort of second phase is that we move from a report which was called the SDG index to a report which is now called the sustainable development report because there is mm -hmm. more than the SDG index the index remains the backbone but there is much mm -hmm. more policy uh, discussions and sections how do you feel about the progress of the SDGs well first of all i continue to think that it is a, an incredible idea this idea mm -hmm. that we establish goals for uh, humanity as a whole that call for eradicating extreme poverty, hunger, access to social protection, healthcare, education for all, fight against income, wealth, inequalities, access to water, sanitation, and then also move towards responsible consumption, production, climate action, and then strengthening institutions and international partnerships. I continue to think that this was, this is an incredible idea. Mm. And it's the time in human history that we were able to have or to agree on a common set of goals despite mm. differences in cultures history and approaches to economic and public policy all governments around the world managed to say well these are goals that we should all be pursuing i really hope that this idea of goal-based development can continue obviously now we should maintain our effort to try to do major breakthroughs on this agenda until 2030 but then beyond 2030, I think it will be very important to also have a, an agenda that continues this sort of goal-based development. So that's the first thing I, I want to say. Mm -hmm. In terms of how the world is doing on the sustainable development goals, I think you know it's very clear that the multiple crises that we've been facing uh, from you know COVID-19, 
geopolitical tensions, security crisis, now inflation, probably uh, recession in many parts of the world, which is mm. to, to come, budget pressures. These led to major setbacks and reversal in SDG progress. So we were seeing overall from the, the moment the SDGs were adopted to let's say 2019, that the world was making progress year on year. The overall SDG index was progressing year on year until 2019, which was notably led by progress in some of the countries and regions in the world that were starting from very low points on the SDGs. So major mm -hmm. progress in terms of fighting extreme poverty, for instance, but also access to basic infrastructure and services as well. Having said that, you know, even before COVID-19 hit, we were still saying that progress was too slow. Certain goals were not moving in the right direction. And there were obviously major disparities across countries. But on average, the world was progressing on this agenda. Since 2020, basically worldwide, we do not see any more progress on this agenda actually it's mm -hmm. stagnation and even reversal in progress in many parts of the world and what's a little bit sad is that reversal in this progress is happening in particular in countries that are poor and uh, vulnerable and that mm -hmm. did not have the ability for instance during COVID-19 to mobilize large amounts of money to finance the urgent expenditure related to the pandemic but also those recovery plans as we have been able to do in a lot of the high income countries. And so that's why all those international summits have happened. So we're just right after COP27, there was an important G20 meeting also a few days ago, but also we're heading towards a, a heads of state summit on the SDGs in, in September 2023. These are all very important to recognize where we've made progress since 2015, because we're basically at half time now in this agenda, mm -hmm. but also come up with solutions and renewed commitments on how are we going to restore and accelerate SDG progress uh, over the next couple of years. You mentioned that what was the SDG index has now been expanded to the Sustainable Development Report and that one of the um, the features of the most recent report was financing, as you said, and another was um, spillover effects. For you, what is it about spillover effects that requires the focus you've given it? Well, the basic idea behind the spillover effects is that if we consider the SDGs as a global responsibility, and if countries aim to decarbonize their, their energy system and, and move towards more responsible consumption and production. Well, that should not be achieved, that decarbonization effort should not be achieved by outsourcing high emitting sectors, whether it's cement or steel to another country, and then simply re-importing that production so that the emissions happen outside of our borders. And so, you know, on paper, everything looks good. We're moving forward in terms of decarbonizing our economy, but actually in terms of overall carbon emissions, these are just being outsourced and they just have elsewhere. That's a little bit the, the idea behind this spillover effects is to actually capture those impacts embodied into trade and consumption. There's obviously other types of spillover effects. And I would think about, for instance, financial flows and financial spillovers, tax evasion, profit shifting, unfair tax competition that can undermine the ability of other countries to basically mobilize resources to move mm. towards those goals. As you said, Dominic, at SDSN, we've always considered integrating those spillover effects. Again, considering that the SDGs are a global responsibility and that it makes no difference for climate change, whether greenhouse gas emissions are generated within countries' border or in another, in another country for satisfying production. We've always been integrating those indicators in our report. And by the way, that explains also why our results can be sometimes different from other assessments because mm -hmm. we include types of indicators. And on the spillover aspect, I would also say that it's not only about environmental spillovers, but increasingly we also document things like 
deforestation embodied into our consumption. We also look at how much consumption, especially in rich countries, is leading to resource depletion, including water scarcity in the rest of the world, but also social impacts. Huh? So we're mm -hmm. able to now that each year, basically, through the consumption of textile products, there's about 400 people that die in the world to satisfy the European Union's consumption of textile and more than 20,000 people that have non-fatal accidents at work. And we just released a study also actually earlier this week where we've actually identified that European consumption is associated with 1.2 million cases of forced labor around the world. And we did a deep dive in specifically into fossil and mineral materials, mm. which is one of the supply chains where those impacts happen. So the point here is to say we need to track those spillover effects, the effect that we have through consumption. And we also need to actually adopt policies to curb those spillover effects and work with partner countries so that we reduce our global footprint from consumption. Mm. A, how do you feel about the outcome of COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh? And how do you feel about the forthcoming CBD COP in Montreal? On the COP in, in Egypt, the outcome of the COP is, is mixed. I think on the positive side, there's been quite good breakthrough when it comes to recognizing some of the historical responsibilities in terms of emissions and uh, for climate change. And the fact that we need to move into financial mechanisms to share more fairly globally, the costs of losses and damages related to natural and, and climate events, but also the costs of adapting infrastructure, especially so that the most vulnerable countries that are often not responsible for climate change can finance losses and damages and adaptation. So I think that at least the political consensus that emerged this year is, is a, a move in the right direction. The major aspect where we're not seeing enough progress is in terms of commitments, pledges, and, and trajectories on the mitigation side in terms of accelerating the decarbonization of the production system and, and economies globally. So that's, I think, remains an important loopholes. And it's becoming, you know, harder and harder to stick to that 1.5 degree objective as part of the of the Paris Climate Agreement. But as you said, I think it's it's also important. I mean, there is obviously the the UNFCCC and the, and the Climate COP. But I think on the biodiversity side, it's also really important. The fact that on the climate side, we have the Paris Climate Agreement, sort of a, a global target, has helped to sort of mobilize actions, energy, momentum around that goal. The fact that we don't have the equivalent of a Paris Climate Agreement for biodiversity might explain why we're still a little bit lagging behind when it's when it comes to actually global actions on biodiversity. And the numbers are, are, are terrible when it comes to, to biodiversity loss deforestation and so on. And, and just to give a very practical example is, especially when we look at, for instance, the bees, 70% of what we eat actually requires pollination. Mm. And so, you know, as we see the, the number of bees basically dropping, there's a real question around, you know, what are we going to do? You know, this is where I'm not sure that innovation and, and progress, for instance, replacing bees by drone will really help us out. I think it's really a, an issue around how do we prevent this from happening and how do we also put a price on the natural services that nature is uh, providing to us. So there's big discussions right now around pricing the natural services. But beyond that, I really hope that Montreal can become for biodiversity what Paris has mm. been for climate. So big hopes for the, the biodiversity conference in, in Montreal. It's very important because 
we see it every year when we do we do the SDG index. The biodiversity indicators are really not moving in the in yep. the right direction at all. Finally, Guillaume, on a personal level, what if you trace your life, let's say from maybe the the beginning of your kind of like tertiary education through to now, what what's driven you? Have certain values driven? Um, what's gotten you to now? What what's what's brought you to to where you are? I guess as a person. Yeah, you know, this, this is a very good question. I think it's it's. I've always been. I've, I've always wanted to um, to try to work for the for the common good. Um, at least do my best to do something that has a a positive um, impact on the on the world. And I would say now that I have two two kids, um, I also you know always um, try to think. Well, in you know they're they're very young now. I have a, a small baby and, and four years old. But in ten or fifteen years, when I'll be explaining to them what what I'm doing professionally, that I'll be able to demonstrate or or, or show them that I've I've done my best. Uh, mm-hmm. so that can actually live in a in a world where um, you have opportunities, you are safe, um, you're not being hit by drafts and heat waves and natural disasters all the time. That we live in a world where there's partnerships, where the multilateral system is is able to um, address some of the challenges of our time. So all of those things that, in my view, uh, can help us um, basically address those those big um, challenges. So yeah, I would say you know my 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 uh, my, my hope is um, to basically have a, a positive impact by basically making that connection between what science, data, evidence um, tells us. I think this is important, especially in this post-truth era and fake news and so on, to have to try to have groups of people and networks inside of scientists that can try to bring the evidence to the policymakers and then um, and then see how we can uh, basically move forward on those uh, sustainable development goals basically thank you so much Guillaume, for your time so appreciative i feel like both yourself and, and the um and the co-authors of the sustainable development report in particular have done as much for sustainable development and the sdgs is perhaps anyone really so yeah thank you so much Guillaume. so appreciative Thank you very much, Dominique. A great many thanks again to Guillaume for lending his time. If you'd like to learn more about the work of the SDSN, you can visit their website at unsdsn.org and to explore further the Sustainable Development Report, visit sdgindex.org. My new book, You and the Global Goals, adapts the SDG Index at the heart of the Sustainable Development Report to the level of you, dear listener, that is the individual. You can find You and the Global Goals at all good bookstores. Guillaume will present the launch of the 2022 Europe Sustainable Development Report on 9 December, covering the most up-to-date progress of the countries on the continent toward the goals.